0: Colossians chapter 2. We're going to look at quite a number of verses, um, but we're just going to focus on two verses in particular that we're reading now. It'll be our focus tonight with a lot of other ones added in just briefly as we look at texts that support what we're trying to point out tonight. But let me just read those verses too as you turn there. Colossians chapter 2, and let me read verses 6 and 7. This is from the ESV. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I'm, I'm going to start off tonight with the principle that I'm going to unpack, and, and I'm going to do it you know through this text, and, but I, I want you to get it up front. It's, I've tried to make it a little catchy so that you'd remember it, because it has been a big influence for me, and I hope it will be helpful to you as well. Here's the principle. Connection ought to result in a reflection. Let me say it again. Connection ought to result in a reflection. And I want to take that principle and I want to apply it to your union and my union with Christ. Colossians, as one of the huge themes, maybe the biggest theme in Colossians, other than the supremacy of Christ, is this union that Is there, And it's really threefold, and I won't be able to tackle all three of them in any type of detail tonight, but I do want to show that they are radically connected, which is incredibly important. The first one is, you'll find in chapter 1 and even other places throughout Colossians, is that Jesus is connected to God. That is crucial, because you can see, real quickly if you would, in chapter 1, in verse 16, let me show you the connection there. It says... He is the image of the invisible God. The first, for by him all things were created. He goes all the way down there. He is permanent. For in him, 19, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That very similar thought also is in Colossians chapter two at the end of our little paragraph. And it says in verse number 9, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So there is the Jesus connected to God part. And notice even in the perfect infinite relationship they have that the connection between Jesus and God results in a reflection. And it says in chapter 1 in verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1:3 says he's the express image. He's the exact imprint like you do on a coin that when you see Jesus, you see God. In fact, John 14, he says that to Thomas, "Have you been so long with me that you haven't seen God?" He said, "If you've seen the what? You've seen me, you've seen the Father, exact image." Jesus is a perfect reflection of the connection as deity that he has with God. Now, you and I don't have that kind of connection, not even that kind of reflection, but the principle is the same, all right? So Jesus connected to God. Number two, you, as a Christian, are connected to Jesus. So that is absolutely crucial, absolutely crucial, which is in our text, all right? And, and, and there are numerous little union terms. And and if you're grammatically inclined, Colossians is the book for you because prepositions prepositions change everything in Colossians. And and let me show you the ones that show your connection to Jesus. Um, The main one I want to look at because it's prevalent in our text and also parallel in chapter 1 is the little phrase, in him. We're going to look at that the other ones are in christ that's what we are we are in the lord we are with him we are in god we are with christ i mean there are just a number of them all throughout colossians if you peruse all four chapters they are little phrases shorthand words that paul uses to express our union as christians with christ jesus is connected to god and by faith We are connected to Jesus. The third one, which I'd love to develop, but we won't have time tonight, at least not very much at all, is that because of that, those two connections, we also are connected to each other as Christians, right? So our relationships to each other as believers and the way we talk to each other, talk about each other, treat each other, all that, should that connection to each other should also be a reflection of our connection with Jesus because he is connected to God. So they're all interrelated, and we need to practice that in our Christian lives. So with that little bit of a background and understanding of what the terms are, let me dive into the text tonight a little bit more. Look again with me, if you would, at Colossians 2 and verse 6. Therefore, now again, that's an obvious little hermeneutical t- a tool, but it refers to what just took place. And I, I at least want to go back to chapter f- 2 and verse 5 where he says this, For though I am absent in the body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order. And what? And the firmness. That, that's an important word because firmness is used. It's the word we get in English, steroids. Right? He wants you to have your, your good order and your strong, we would say your strong faith in Christ. Because Colossae was a place where there's a lot of uh, doctrinal errors about Jesus, about Christianity, about what life was about and the result of those things. And they had to have a strong faith to be able to withstand some of those things and need to be firm, you know, salvation on steroids, we might say, in Christ. But there's a little union term right there. So based upon the need to be strong in faith because you're united with Christ, let me tell you a little bit more about that, right? That's what the therefore in verse 6 is. So he says, therefore, here's what you need to do. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, Now, the very first little word, and these this two verses are pretty packed, and I don't always feel the need to unpack and unravel every single word, but in these two verses, you almost really have to. The word as, and it's going to be a little construction called so as, and I'm going to show you the other part in a little bit. But the word as, it's hos or kathos. Those two words are used all throughout Colossians, really the New Testament as well. And it means this in the same way. Okay? So let me put that little meaning in there, that definition, and read it again. Therefore, in the same way as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now see the little construction: as at the beginning, and so in the middle. In other words, on this basis, you have this past. On that, so do this in the present. Received is a past verb. Walk in him is a present imperative. So this, as this happened in the past, so do this in the present. There are a number of times Paul uses this um, throughout the New Testament. In Ephesians 5 and verse 24, you know, as... A, oh, let me just show you the one without going to other ones. We don't have time for all that tonight, to be honest. We look right in our text, next chapter, verse 13, 313. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint... Don't do that, we've learned that tonight already. Forgiving each other, now watch, as the Lord has forgiven you, see it, so you must also forgive others. So see, in the past, as he forgave you, how did he do it? Well, he did it sacrificially. He did it willingly. He did it forgivingly. He did it from his heart. How, you know, all those things. As he did that, so this is what you do. See the construction? As and so. That's the same thing in, in the way Paul is trying to put it together here. He is trying to connect very closely two things and keep them together. And he's trying to do that in this way. He says, as you have received him, so walk in him. But there's something in the middle. We have to figure out, if we have to walk this way, how did he? How did we receive him? Well, he doesn't leave us guessing. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, here's what he says. Therefore, as you received, and let me give you a trans King Jesus, the Lord. Okay? Big word for you tonight. Ready, going to learn new one. Apposition. Something in opposition to one another are two things side by side, and they are parallel. All right? So what he's saying is, as you've received, this is your salvation, you've received... King Jesus, the Lord. King Jesus and the Lord are identical. The Lord is the word kurios. It was the Hebrew word Adonai. It was the way not to say the Tetragrammaton Yahweh. They they didn't write it or hardly ever say it because it was God's holy name. So you have, here's what you do when you got saved. You got saved because Jesus was God and he paid the penalty for your sin and when you got saved, you made him your king and your Lord. Right? That's salvation you received him the word received is used all over the new testament but when paul uses it specifically most of the time it's used to talk about receiving the teaching or a doctrine about something and in this case it's the doctrine about jesus and who he is and what he's done right so here's the parallel that he's trying to keep close together here's the two things ready two things that paul does not want you to separate and hear me tonight because too many christians do They want to have Jesus in their life as Savior, but they don't want to have him as Lord. They want him in their life so they don't go to hell and have their sins forgiven and go to heaven, but they're really not so hot on the idea of him being Lord and telling them what to do in every area of your life. And they don't want to look at life and all the issues of life and how they think about those things through the biblical lens of Jesus' Lordship. And Paul will not have it. He won't. He won't have it. He says, this is what you have to keep together as... You receive Christ Jesus as your Lord. So here's what you do. Now you've got to live your life out that way. You received him as King and Lord. Now live it out. Walk it, he says, as Lord. And so I wrote down as an extrapolation of our main principle, which is connection ought to result in a reflection. Here's what I wrote out. If you have received his Lordship, you will reflect his lordship. See? If you receive his lordship, you will reflect his lordship. And in other words, if you really have him, you're going to show it. If he's your lord, it's not just something you're going to mouth it's, or, or just say you believe. You're going to demonstrate it in your walk, in the way that you live your life. Now, remember I told you before of those little connector words or or union words. And one of them, the main one in our text, you can see it for yourself, in him. So as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk. See it there? In him. The union is not on the part about receiving Jesus, although that's true. The union part in him is demonstrated by the way you walk. See? The union is not demonstrated in this passage by what you confess and what you say you believe. No, the union is proved by the way that you walk it out, the way that you live it out. So in our text, it's used three times. So it says, so you are walk in him. And then it says in verse eight, uh, I'm I'm sorry, down a little bit for in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells. And verse 10, and you have been filled in him. See the three times? Now, I I want you to keep this in mind. Stay with me, because chapter 1, verses 16 through 19, use the same little phrase in him three other times, three in each side. And those three times, if you look at it in chapter 1 and verse 16, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and earth. And actually the word by him is an interpretation because it's the word in. It could be by him as an agency or in him. Verse 17 does it again. If you'll look over there, and he is before all things, and there it is, and in him all things hold together. Third time, verse 19, which reads, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So those phrases in those first chapter verses talk about being Jesus being the cosmic creator, the cosmic ruler, the cosmic Lord. But when he comes to chapter 2 in verses 6 and 7 and following in the verses that we're in, he uses that little phrase to say he's not just a cosmic Lord. He's the Christian's Lord, see. He's not just the big creator God who everything and every angel bows to. No, the idea is if you're united with him, no, you're doing the same thing. He's the same Lord. He's the Christian's Lord in your personal individual life or all the Christians in a given church. Why does that matter? Because here's what he wants you to understand. Here's what you got to keep together. If you received him as Lord, you need to live it out. And that, that truth, that connection that should result in a reflection should impact and transform every single area of your life. The question Paul's really asking tonight in verse six is, do you reflect the lordship of Jesus? The fact that he is Lord, is it true? Does it demonstrate? Does it show itself every day of your life? Now, I'm going to go through a bunch of verses, ready? And you're going to follow me as quickly as you can. And I'm going to point out practically and functionally on a kind of a day-to-day living basis what that would look like. And Colossians gives us very many clues, ready? Let me show them to you. And we're going to move pretty fast, so stick with me, ready? And each one of these verses talk about Jesus being Lord, but not just cosmically, but daily, ready? In your own personal life. Here they are, write them down. He says in verse 10 of chapter 1, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You're connected with him, right? So here's what I call lordship worthiness. So if he is the Lord of your life, you will want to be worthy of him. You're going to want to walk, please. you're going to make... Him, the Lord of your life, every single day and be worthy of the fact that He's your Lord and and you are His servant. So I call it Lordship worthiness. Chapter 3, verse 13, which we've already read, says, you forgive others as the Lord has forgiven you, as the Lord has forgiven you. See, when He died to forgive you, He wasn't just your Savior, although He was. He was your Lord. So if you're bowing to His Lordship, you know what that means? You know what it'll look like? that you are not a person who holds grudges. You are not a person looking for revenge. You're not a person that's ate up by and controlled by bitterness. You're not a person that's looking to stay away from people instead of reconciling relationships that have gone awry. No, no, not if Jesus is Lord. Not if you're practicing the Lordship, the one who forgave you. you. You'll be a person who forgives others. But let me tell you this, it touches more than just relationships in the church or things in the church. It touches relationships in your home. Chapter 3 in verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands. What's the basis? What's the motivation? What's the sphere in which w- women who are wives learn to submit to the husbands that God has given to them? It is fitting what? In the Lord, because you're united with Him. See? So, what does it mean? I call it Lordship forgiveness, Lordship worthiness, and then He says also Lordship submission, I would put it. Let me back up. I missed one. The verse before, verse 17, and there's two of these, verse 17 and 23. When it comes to Jesus, there are very specific areas He's enumerating for us, but He wants to make these umbrella statements. Um, that cover everything that he's not covering specifically. And this is one of them, 317. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything. So here it is. This is lordship speaking. This is lordship doing. So forgiving, submitting, worthiness, Speaking, doing, your words, your works. You get the idea? There isn't a piece of your life. There isn't a category that if you have received the Lord, that your connection won't result in a reflection. And he's not done yet. Chapter 3 and verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything. What, What is the reason for this pleases the Lord? See it? So husbands and wives, it impacts that relationship church members to each other, children to their parents, what's the motivation for doing what your parents ask you because the authority of God is transmitted through your parents. So our young people need to put this lordship into practice and he's not done yet there either masters and servants and that day we would say employees and employers today Verse 22, bondservants servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. See that? Why do I do my best for my secular, unsaved boss who doesn't even treat me that well? You know why? Because I'm doing it because Jesus is Lord of my life. He's asked me to. He wants my connection with him. To be a reflection in my marriage as a spouse. To my children or to them to me as parents or children. See, he wants that. And my job at work, it's not just a paycheck. It's not just something I do from 8 to 5. No, I'm there to reflect the connection that I have with the Lord. And again, if, he, if he's missed an area of your life, he's going to say it again as little brackets like he did in 17 verse 23. Whatever you do, whatever it is, do heartily. Why? You're doing it for the Lord, the one who's the controller and ruler of your life, not, not for men. So a connection to the Lord Jesus will result in a reflection of the Lord Jesus. And as Paul would say, his words in everything, all relationships, all of them, in your home, in your marriage, at, your, at church, in the secular business world, or wherever you might be, they are all impacted by this. In other words, a person who has really received Jesus as Lord will show it in their walk. You will walk like Jesus. So if you're connected to him, it'll change your walk. Again, real quickly, let me show you the four uses of the word walk. You already saw one in chapter 1 and verse 10, walk worthy. You've seen the one in our check text, chapter 2 and verse 6, walk like Jesus, He's not done, though, because it's a positive and a negative. If you are in him, you'll walk this way. And what will that mean? Well, it means this. There are certain ways you will not walk. Chapter 3 and verse 7 reads, And these you, want, you two once walked when you were living. Let's see the pronoun, preposition? In them. See, before Jesus, I was in them. See the union? In them. But now that I'm a Christian, I've received his Lord, now I'm in him. In them, contrasted with in him. And he's talking about the way you lived. You used to walk this way. I had a BC walk, a before Christ walk. (coughs) And now I have a post-conversion walk, a walk just like Jesus. Not perfectly just like him, but patterned because I'm in him Can I say this? Our connection is perfect, but the reflection often is not. And so instead of perfect reflection in this world, in this life, because of sin in our lives, it'll be a patterned reflection. Now that's a lot. And can I say right there, that's the theology behind it all. And the last 10 minutes tonight, the rest of it, and I mean verse 7, has four participles, three and an additional one at the end for attitude. These three participles, the first ones are passive, meaning this is an action done by someone or something outside on you. And the last one is a present one. Let me develop them. And and, and as we do this tonight, the last few minutes, this is what it would look like in their context, and I'll apply it to ours, if you were walking in him. You might say, well, Pastor Walker, okay, good. If I'm really a Christian, if I received him, right, then I'm going to reflect him. I'm going to walk like him. What would that look like? How would I know if I am? And how would I know if I needed to grow in doing it? So he's going to use these participles to picture that and explain it for us. And let me just do one at a time. Verse 7, and here's what it looks like. Being rooted. Second one, being built up. The third one, being established in the faith. And the fourth one is, I-N-G, abounding. So here we go. Being rooted, being built up, being established, and being or abounding in thanksgiving. Being rooted, you need to grow downward, we'd say. So growing downward. And by that means, and and the word often means getting the roots of a tree down into the soil. Um. I've never seen it, but they say that a taproot is the first root to grow out of a prime, of all the primary roots, and it grows down and gets into the soil, can it get the nutrients and especially the water it needs? And, and so doing the tree matures and grows. Some trees have been able to grow deep taproots because they needed to, because drought comes and they lack rain, so they have to get the roots to go further down and deeper down to find the nutrients and waters that they need because sometimes a drought can and really be a problem. The most deep-seated taproot ever recorded in history, up until my knowledge, is, was a wild fig tree, and I won't even try to pronounce it, in echo caves in some city in South Africa. The roots that went down from the tree went down 400 feet. Now, let me tell you how deep that is. A sequoia tree or a redwood tree out in California Our gigantous tree, some of the biggest ones around, their root system only goes down somewhere between five to six feet. This fig tree had roots that went down 400 feet. That means that there's a lot of stability there. That means it went way down, and in a storm or in a drought, this tree is not going to be moved. So when Paul says this, you know what you need to do if you're going to walk like Jesus? Number one, you need to grow downward. You need to put your roots See, it's both of them, rooted and built up in him. Rooted is controlled by that little union phrase, in him. You want to know what in him looks like? It means getting rooted deeply in Jesus. Now, I want to give you a warning because I think it's good for us to hear it. Jesus tells a parable of the sower and the seeds in Matthew chapter 13. And one of the four seeds that he mentions is the seed that was sown on rocky ground. Okay, listen to the text. It says, this is the one who hears the word and immediately, now this is the same word used in Colossians 2.6 we just said, immediately receives it. Remember when we said, if you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, he receives it with joy. But we're going to find out that he is not, this seed does not produce real genuine faith. So let me tell you this off the bat. Not all receiving is regenerating. Not all receiving, it. there are some people who receive the word, they make emotional decisions, they have some joy, it makes them happy. And it says, the text, listen to this, for a while. For a while. Yet he, he here's the problem. Yet he has, listen to this, no root in himself. The seed, the seed went down, but it was only just below the surface. It never really got deep. There was never really growing. There was no tap roots. It never really got down and was nourished and fed and developed and growed. It just sat there on the surface, he says. And on account of the word, when persecution comes, it says in tribulation, because of being a Christian, here's what it says. Immediately he falls away. And it's the Greek word scandalized. So there are people who receive the word about Jesus but it never has any roots. It never goes down below the, I call it surface salvation. Nothing below the surface on these types of Christians. And it's when the difficulties come and the cancer is diagnosed and the loved one perhaps is lost and the job is gone and the finances are uncertain. It's those times in their life that you see that the reflection isn't there. Because if it costs them something, if it costs them to put roots down, they don't have them. It only goes on the surface. So let me ask you, how deep, how really deep are your roots? Below the surface? What do the storms and the droughts that have come into your life perhaps in the past or recently, what have they revealed about your root system? How deep you are. See, when the difficulties come, uh, you know what, you're not in the Bible, you're not at church, you're not turning to God, you're not trusting Him, you're not leaning on His promises. See, if you're rooted in Him, if you're growing down, see, can I say this? Your roots become a reflection, your roots become a reflection because you're you're in him and you're rooted in him and you're growing down. And even though it's difficulty, you're maturing and you're growing. Even though it's painful and it's not that you're perfect, but those difficulties in your life, they become things that grow deeper roots that make you stronger in Christ. See, that's one of the things that it looks like. If you're walking in him, you'll be growing downward. You'll be rooted in him. Secondly, being built up in him. See, You need to grow downward before you can grow upward. See how it works? You have to grow downward before you can build or grow upward. And that's what the word built up means. Many times in the New Testament, it talks about construction. And the three most common ones are building a house, building a tower, or building a synagogue. And the idea is, once you've laid the groundwork, you have the foundation, the roots are in place, now the tree can grow and start bearing fruit. Or in this case, you built the foundation. Now you can build the walls, you can build the roof, you can build the structure, and it's going to hold. So Jesus tells a parable about two houses. One built on a good foundation, and one that's not built on a good foundation. And the difference was destruction or survival. But the difference was that the house was meaningful and lasted On top, because it had grown down first. Peter says it this way, using our word built up. He says, but you are built up as a spiritual house, 1 Peter 2, 5, because you are living stones. See that? Jesus is the stone, the cornerstone, and you are little, little living stones, and you're united. See what he says? The connection, big stone, little stone. And what does it reflect? Well, here's what it reflects. He says, you're building up a house. You've laid the foundation and the cornerstone, and now you can build the rest of the house, and that house is the church of God. So let me tell you this. What does it look like when you walk in him? Your roots go down, and the house comes up, and that house is the church of God. So let me tell you, if you're growing as a Christian, you can't forsake the church. You need the church to grow. The context of growth in the the Bible spiritually often, far more often, is not personal It's corporate. So you really can't be spiritual according to how God has planned it and used it if you're not in a context of relationships with people who are also trying to grow at the same time. I've heard people tell me, oh, Pastor Walker, I don't need the church. I don't need the church to grow. I don't need the church to be spiritual. And my response is, why don't you tell Jesus that you love him, but you don't love his bride? See how he responds. "I, I, I love Jesus, but I don't love his bride, and I don't love his body. Mean the church. And, I, and by the way, I don't want to spend any time with all the other adopted children. I'm okay. I don't need to be in with my mom, the church. I don't need to be in with the rest of the children. I have no need for them. Don't like, but you, Jesus, I'm good with that. Can I tell you this? It doesn't wash. It doesn't wash. That's not, not how he set it up. So here's what he says you need to be building up personally. Incorporately in your life, because you've laid the foundation, which is Jesus and being in Him. Can I ask you real quickly do you have a growth plan? Do you have a plan that's laying out how you are purposely and intentionally seeking to grow? Because your roots won't go deeper by osmosis, it won't happen by accident, it won't happen because you have good intentions, but you have to plan it planning to grow down and to grow up, to be part of the church when it comes back, to come back when you can and be here even now, and to get involved in ministry and service when that opportunity becomes again, because those are the parts of our lives that demonstrate that we are in him. And lastly, or thirdly, the last two participles, and be established in the faith. So we grow downward so that we can grow upward, and then we grow inward, and that means established in the faith in our hearts, in the doctrine and the teaching of the word of God. And that's where I think the word, the faith, is. And he even tells us that a little bit of a hint, because he's establishing the faith just as you were taught. Which means someone's teaching you, and I'm, I'm still thinking that's the apostles in this case, and the church at large, that's why we need each other. You need to be in a place where you're getting good, sound, biblical preaching and teaching from the Word of God because it's vital that those people are influencing in a small group, in our small groups on Sunday mornings when those return, and even maybe more our D groups See, you need someone to give you some accountability to keep you from, and you can see the rest of this paragraph, verses 8, 9, and 10, of the philosophies and the vain deceits and the errors that are out there and the, and the false Doctrine that's floating around in our world and even in our churches at times. Establish, establishing yourself in the faith so that you can grow and, and be strong in Christ and in him. Let me just say this. You need your roots in the church and you need your roots in the Bible. We never grow, we never grow to the place in our Christian life that we don't need the Bible. If you want to have Jesus' walk then you better have Jesus' words. You better, because they're the key. We never grow out of reading the Bible, meditating on it, studying, memorizing it. If you don't have his word in you, you won't have his walk in you either, because you need to be taught. You keep learning. All of that, all of that is what it looks like to walk in him. But, But don't think it's just externals. He leaves this last little phrase, and with this I'll close. And while you're doing all of that, when you're going down, you're going up, and you're going in in your growth, he says, and here's the attitude that you do it all with, thanksgiving in your heart. Gratitude, not grumbling. He says, no gratitude, no growing. If you're not doing it, in your, see, this is what you need to learn. In your relationships with people in a church, you don't always agree, you don't see eye to eye, and sometimes it really gets a little bit... It's and tough. Here's what he says. In all of those circumstances, whether it's your wife and your husband, whether it's your parents as a children, and all those things that you're trying to live out the lordship of Christ, here's what he says. Even if it gets bad, even if it doesn't go your way, even if you don't get what you want, you think is best, you better be grateful. You better be filled with thanksgiving. A preacher once said, when gratitude dies off the altar of a man's heart, he is well nigh hopeless. Paul says, don't forget the gratitude. You're not really growing. If in all the difficulties you have in relationships, as you're trying to grow, if you get bitter and upset and you kind of get selfish and think that if I don't get my way, then I'm going to take my marbles and go somebody else, somewhere else. He said, that's not growth. That's grumbling. That's not gratitude. See, it's an inside out type of thing. And so put these two together, he says. Keep them there. That if you received him as Lord then you better reflect him as Lord. Here's why. Because the connection should result in a reflection. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to take that principle this week. Help us to examine our lives, our relationships, inside and outside the church. Help us to see if we're really growing. Help us to use the measuring sticks that you've placed in this passage for us to see where we truly are in our relationship with you and with others. And when we do all these things we seek to do this week, help us not to forget to do it all with thanksgiving in our hearts because, Lord, you've been good to us. Help us to show that in our lives for your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.